are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate the support. Remember, we are free and available on all platforms. And today is Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. Happy Hawkeye Day if you're an MCU fan, a Marvel Studios fan. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. New episode dropping for all of our patrons later today. Visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information on that if you want to listen to it. But on today's episode of Locked On Mariners, we're talking Hall of Fame. Which players on the current ballot would we immortalize we had the power to vote. We're also going to be talking about a couple of starting pitchers, one that the Mariners are confirmed to have interest in, and another Colby and I were personally told they targeted during the season, who is now apparently on the trade market. If you like what you hear, give the show a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to this. We greatly appreciate it. So, Colby, we're going to start here with the Hall of Fame discussion, though, and uh, look at the ballot here for 2022. Plenty of intriguing names getting on for the first time this year. Obviously, Alex Rodriguez, Justin Morneau, Jimmy Rollins, Mark Teixeira, Ryan Howard, uh, Carl Crawford, some really fun guys that you and I grew up watching. Um, To just get this out of the way here before we actually cast our votes, and we're going to have to be pretty quick about it under our time constraints, but... Uh, you know, for me personally, and, and, and Colby, I know you feel the same way. I am not one of those people that feels the, the Hall of Fame needs to be this limited, exclusive thing. I think it's very gatekeepy. I think if you vote for less than 10 players on your ballot, it's kind of ridiculous. It's stupid. I think we should put as many great baseball players in the Hall of Fame as possible. So I assume, Colby, that you and I are both going to be selecting 10 names today right oh absolutely i could i could probably honestly i i looked at the list last night and i was like i i think i could make a pretty solid case for like 15 of these guys um some mm. are obvious some are borderline and, and i'm not even counting guys like omar Vizquel, who i i don't believe is a hall of famer so he's not even one of the 15 that i'm talking about so uh that that should t- tell you how loaded this ballot is Yeah, for sure. So let's get it started here. Tell me a couple of guys who just jump out immediately to you. I I think it's pretty obvious, some of them, right? I I assume you're starting with Barry Bonds, because another thing we need to say here is that you and I don't really care about the steroid stuff, right? Like we we are going to be voting in guys that have that in their history. Yeah, I'm more likely to vote for guys, not vote for guys who had issues off the field uh, than guys who had you know, issues on the field. They're just different for me. So mm-hmm. Barry Bonds right now is the greatest baseball player who's ever lived. Like mm-hmm. maybe trout overtakes him, but right now it's, it's bonds like 500 stolen bases, 762 home runs. You had a 162 career war. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had a career 444 on base and a 607 slugging throughout his entire career. So bonds to me is a no brainer. He should have been in the first ballot, but whatever mm-hmm. steroid baseball writers, think that they you know they're they're somehow not hypocrites for 
ignoring the steroid era until it was convenient for them to start reporting on it. Mm-hmm. So Bonds and Clemens, Clemens might arguably be the best pitcher of all mm-hmm. time. So yes, those two guys are absolutely in. It's a no brainer for me. I would have voted for him all 10 years if I had a vote. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's ridiculous that those two aren't in the hall of fame yet. And if you really care that much, just mention it on their plaque or something like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Ultimately how I, how I see it is you can't tell the story of baseball without them for better or worse. Right. No. And that's what the hall of fame should be. It mm-hmm. should be the complete history of baseball. It should tell that yep. it should tell that story. So you can't tell that story without Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. You just can't. And also like nope. no one has a problem with a rod. I bet a lot of people are going to be voting for A-Rod this time around. As they should. As they should. Yes, A-Rod is also on my ballot. Yeah, and he's also on mine. <laughs> uh, arguably arguably the best shortstop of all time. Like That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about fringy guys who, who got busted. We're talking about like literal goats. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's those three are a no-brainer for me, honestly. Um, I don't think A-Rod gets in this year. Uh, which is stupid, but I'm just going to assume that the gatekeeping is going to continue and A-Rod's not going to get in this year. Mm-hmm. Um, might, might take him a couple of years, but we'll see how it turns out. So some uh, another really interesting guy on here is David Ortiz. It's his first year, obviously just full-time DH. There's been the debate with, you know, if, I mean, obviously it took Edgar 10 years, the full 10 years to get in. And Edgar, I mean, definitively, you look at the... He's better. Yeah, he's better. He's better statistically is definitively better. So even though that I would put Ortiz on my ballot, I hope that he does struggle a little bit here to get in because what was the point of holding Neger out then? Yeah. Um, for me, Ortiz is not on my ballot. Um, and it has, it has more to do with the stupid, uh, the stupid rule that writers have to follow where you can only have 10, uh, votes. Mm -hmm. Only you can only vote for up to 10 guys. And well, Ortiz is going to get plenty of votes, so he doesn't need my yeah. vote. He might even get in without it. But if not, he's in no danger of falling off the ballot. There are other guys who I think are a little more deserving than Ortiz in general um, who could use the extra vote. So uh, mm. I decided not to put him on my ballot. Uh, if there wasn't the stupid 10 rule thing, then I absolutely would uh, would vote for him. It's one of the dumber things about you know the baseball Hall of Fame voting, and there are a lot of dumb things, is this idea that well, he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer, but not first ballot. Like that means nothing. Mm-hmm. If you've ever used that line, you're you're stupid. I mean, either a guy's a Hall of Famer or he's not. Ortiz is a Hall of Famer, so I don't care if it's first ballot or tenth ballot. Just get him in. But for me, he is not on my Hall of Fame ballot because I wanted to use my ten votes to uh, do to uh, do the most good as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me some of your other names here. Just list them off real quick. Um, from, we have three that you, that you say that you have already. Yep. With Bonds, Clemens and A-Rod. All right. So who's your remaining seven? Uh, Scott Rowland. Perfect. Great. He's on mine as well. Uh, And I want to talk about him real quick because he is criminally (laughs) underrated. Criminally underrated. Oh, yes, he is. Yes. Uh, he's a great defender, great hitter. And he was great for like 10 years. Like he's, Mm -hmm. it's a no brainer for me. I can't believe he's going to get in this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at 70% la- or sorry, he, uh, 52% last year. So maybe not this year, maybe start thinking about it next year, mm-hmm. but he's only on his fifth try. He's going to get in. Um, but Roland's a perfect kind of guy that you want to clear off the ballot so that more, so you can give votes to other guys down below who are maybe deserving, but you run out of room. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So vote for him, get him off the ballot into the Hall of Fame where he belongs, and then I can give that vote to somebody else next year. So Roland, yes, uh, easy. Uh, Manny Ramirez is a yes for me. Yeah, he's a yes um, for me as well. Yes, Andrew Jones. Yep, I have him as well. Uh, Gary Sheffield. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- uh, Todd Helton. Yep, great choice. Jeff Kent. Yep. Another great choice. And here's kind of where you have to do the stupid ballot game because I, that's nine, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think Sammy Sosa is a Hall of Famer, but this is his last year and he's not getting in. He's only at 17%. So yeah. do I waste a vote on Sammy Sosa? Probably not. I don't think I'm going to do that. So, right. um, you know, as unfortunate as that is, I'm probably not going to do it. Um so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give my final vote here to uh, <laughs> see, I'm kind of fi- see again, this is, this is where it gets hard. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give it to my final vote to Billy Wagner, uh, mm-hmm. who is just, you know, one of the top probably 10 relief pitchers of all time. And mm-hmm. he's on a seventh tar- seventh try. He's only at 46%. So can't really afford to to you know mess around with that so that's why i give it to wagner um over guys like pettit abreu um you know even tim hudson uh mark Teixeira uh is an interesting case too so uh but i'm gonna give it to wagner um and really it came down to wagner versus abreu because abreu might fall off the ballot this year mm-hmm. and that's a shame because he's a very good player yeah all right so for me i'm, I'm going bonds i'm going clemens i'm going a rod uh, I'm going to have Ortiz on there. Uh, obviously, Scott Rowland. Obviously, Andrew Jones. I, I think a lot of people don't remember how good Andrew Jones was. He was fantastic. You should go look at, look at his numbers right now if you're listening to this. Uh, Manny Ramirez. I, I believe that's, what, six, seven now that I'm seven. at? Seven. Seven? Seven. All right. Thank you for keeping track. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yep. I'm going to go Jeff Kent, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Billy Wagner, like you said, one of the greatest relievers of all time. And you know what? I think I'm going to go with Jimmy Rollins at number 10. Ooh, first timer. The hate to Gary Sheffield. I, I'm sorry, but I, 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 dude, Jimmy Rollins is so fun. Gary <laughs> like, Sheffield might be the most underrated member of the 500 home run club. Yeah, he, sh- yeah, yeah, he <laughs> is. Sheffield hit 292, 394, 514 in his career. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, he was great. Rollins is a fun one because he didn't really have like the, the length like he didn't have like this, like <sighs> he definitely had a prime, right? Mm-hmm. And at his prime, he was as, probably just about as good as any shortstop in baseball, but he didn't really have this like super, like, like Edgar had just like 15 great years in a row. Rollins was kind of right. like, eh, you know, the, the year just, that they won the world series, right? He was, he was a six and a half win player. He was just a fantastic, really fun player and, and a absolute star, the face of the Phillies franchise for a long time. Uh, he he was fantastic, right. and those teams that he played on were were so fun with with Chase Utley and um, Ryan Howard and, and Shane Victorino and all those guys. Like he was a lot of fun to watch. Eh. To me, Rollins kind of falls into that hall of very good. Sure. Um, I don't know that he's a Hall of Famer. I, I certainly I, he is more deserving than Omar Vizquel, who got forty some odd percent of the vote last year. So, <laughs> uh, 
yeah, I, I would definitely vote for Rollins. Rollins was one of those guys who's like, mm, yeah, maybe if I had more like, again, if it was just a simple yes or no, well, like it should be like, is this guy a Hall of Famer? Yes or no. You can vote for as many yeses as you want. I'd probably yeah. give him a yes just because, again, I'm a big Hall guy and Jimmy Rollins is uh, a great player for a long time. So yeah. I just I don't I don't care uh, yeah. enough to be like, no, uh, same yeah. goes for a guy like Prince Fielder. I'd yeah. probably throw him a yes, too. Yeah, uh, Fielder's probably going to fall off the ballot, and that's that's going to make me sad because he was a great player. Yeah, that is sad. He was he was a lot of fun. It's unfortunate what happened with his neck and everything, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and also you know, just uh, I I didn't want to have the same exact ballot as you, so <laughs> I wanted to throw out an interesting one there. And I I love Jimmy Rollins growing up. He was one of my favorite non Mariners growing up. So got to show love to him. He was he was awesome. So. Uh, hoping the best for him here in this uh, this Hall of Fame process. Hoping the best for a lot of these guys. I I hope quite a few of them make it, uh, and I hope that some of the more modern voters that have come in as of late uh, in the uh, Baseball Writers of, uh, of America Association are going to be more open minded with a lot of these guys and help some of these guys, you know, be inducted into the Hall of Fame as they should be, uh, and and help grow the story of baseball as as it should. So we are going to move on and we're actually going to talk about the Mariners now and start talking about some pitchers. We're going to start with one of them that they were directly linked to last night by John Morosi in just a moment after a quick reminder that this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all of the good food and treats and plenty of them to go around. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, it's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it for once. One slice of pie has an upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end if you're lucky. Meanwhile, most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. So replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. There are lots of good flavors to replace any pie or any other unhealthy fattening dessert. Low calories, low carbs, low fat, high protein covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. And if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward, I promise you. And maybe Aunt Betty hasn't even tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. And of course, there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. So mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at Built.com. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day every day we greatly appreciate the support continue to share us with your friends uh family all those out there who you know who are mariners fans are excited about this team excited about this offseason and uh the stove is starting to get a little bit hotter it's not it's not exactly there i would say it's it's a little over lukewarm if you will Stephen matt signed last night uh with the cardinals and that's been kind of a, a whole ordeal today with steve cohen and the and the mets and all that good stuff the Giants obviously made some moves. And speaking of the Giants, one of their free agent pitchers, Kevin Gossman, their biggest free agent pitcher, Kevin Gossman, is uh, is starting to get some traction in his market. And last night, John Morosi linked the Mariners, along with the Angels and the Blue Jays, to Gossman. So, Colby, 
Gossman's a guy that we, you and I have talked a lot about, but we kind of figured that maybe he would be a little bit too much out of Seattle's range, especially with their focus on bats right now. But um, what do you think about Gossman? What do you think about the fit? What concerns you? What excites you about Kevin Gossman? Yeah, Gossman's probably the top of the market after Scherzer. And I mean, to a certain extent, Kershaw, although it's a little bit different with Kershaw because of all the injuries. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of surprising that they would be interested in, in him from that perspective. I also think it's kind of interesting because Gossman figures to get a, a lengthy contract, uh, you know, probably five years at least. And it kind of seems like maybe Seattle doesn't want a long-term contract fit. Um, just based on how a lot of starters right now, they appear to be taking an extra guaranteed year over a little higher AAV. And that could be why Seattle hasn't been in on most of these guys. So would Gossman on a five-year deal make sense? I mean, in theory, yes. Uh, you'd get him for his age 31 through 35 season. Um, but it just doesn't seem to fit what Seattle wants. It feels like Seattle really wants some upside one- or two-year guys so that they have Kirby and Hancock and, and Brash and whoever uh, ready to go behind them. Um, so from that perspective, it's a little weird. Uh, Gossman's great, uh, was a great pitcher last year. Uh, pretty good the year before as well. Uh, he does a lot of the things that Jerry likes. Uh, at least he has the last few years. He misses bats and he doesn't walk guys. The strikeouts per nine is over eight. The walks per nine is under three, which is typically a pretty good indicator that Jerry's going to be interested in you. Um, and in the case of Gossman, his strikeouts per nine are over 10 uh, and his walks per nine are still uh, under three. So uh, the concerns are, again, he's 31. Mm-hmm. He is coming off of his best year, career year. So you're going to be paying for that a little bit. Um, there was some a slight decline in the second half of last yep. year. He wasn't nearly as dominant as he was in the first half. Uh, mm-hmm. And also he throws a ton of split finger fastballs and sliders. And those combined tend to wreck, wreck some havoc on your elbow yeah. um, when you throw it as much as he did. So there are some legitimate injury concerns. and I mean, they haven't popped up yet, but there is going to be damage to that to the elbow. Um, mm-hmm. It might be fine. Some, I mean, Masahiro Tanaka was supposed to get you know Tommy John every year, and he was fine. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm not saying Cosman is a ticking time bomb, but you do have to take everything into account, especially when you're probably going to be talking about giving him at least five years and $100 million. Does that yeah. sound about right? Something in that range. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how his market plays out compared to someone like Robbie Ray. Right. Ray obviously coming Mm -hmm. off the the Cy Young year and all that. And Gossman, like you said, fell off a little bit there towards the end of the year. Um, I am concerned about the splitter and how and how that might um, mess with his elbow a bit here. There's definitely quite a bit of risk to assume with this deal. But also you're getting a guy that's really started to figure it out since he's left Baltimore um Mm -hmm. and it seems like he's still kind of on an upward trend even though that he did struggle in the second half there um a little bit i i think he there's there might still be a little bit more there with kevin gossman and that's what really excites me about him and that's what um you know when we were doing kind of our preliminary uh off-season plans and uh, just kind of looking to this off-season uh during the regular season i mean he was 
arguably my top target for the Mariners for a while there because I just I, I think there might even be some upside with him, even though that he's already, you know, taken quite a few steps forward over the last couple of years. So um, I'm very excited about Kevin Gossman and excited by the um, the news now that they are in his market. Um, so I, I'm interested to hear from you, though, uh, about how you feel the Mariners' chances stack up to the other teams he was um, mentioned in the same breath with uh, the uh, the Angels and the Blue Jays. Yeah, to me, it's it's not like... I, I saw something the other day that was like, oh, the Mariners should sign him so the Angels don't. I, I'm assuming that's a joke. I hope that's a joke, but don't do that. Um, I just, for me, Gossman is, is, you know, regardless of who else is interested in him, it makes sense for Seattle. It really does. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's to me the, the, where he's going is, um, or where he could go besides you is, is pretty irrelevant to be, to be quite honest with you. You just want the pitcher cause he's a good pitcher. Right. Um, for me, the bigger concern with Gossman just overall is just, can I get him for four years? Cause that seems like the ideal length. I, I don't want to give him six or seven years. And I feel like there's an outside shot. He's going to get that. And I just, that's more of a concern to me than, Oh, what if he pitches for the angels or the blue Jays? I just, I, I don't care. Do you think that's what they would have to do to pry him away from either one of those teams? Like if they if if Toronto or Anaheim offered him a four year deal, would you have to go five or six, or do you think those teams don't hold that? I don't weight? think so. They don't, they don't pull that weight. I don't think they have that kind of leverage. In mm. you know, again, the nice thing about uh, if it's between those three teams, no income tax in in Washington. So right, I mean the other teams would actually probably have to bid more money to get him to come because again, you know, he's going the, the amount of real money he makes by not have, not having his income taxed uh, in the state of Washington is, is pretty significant. So mm. um, I just, I don't think those two teams have enough clout. If San Francisco gives him four years or whatever, maybe Seattle has to go five. But mm. um, if, if it's if it's Anaheim and and Toronto and all four teams all three teams have a four year contract out there and I'm Seattle, maybe I give you a little a little bit higher AAV, but I'm not giving you an extra year. Yeah. All right, we're gonna uh, stay on the topic of starting pitchers with the Mariners. Another guy that they might target via trade. We know that they talked to the team that he's currently on about him and about trading for him earlier this year. So it would seem likely that they're probably in on his market now. We'll tell you who in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked on Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means, football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online. We're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. 
So before we talk about the Mariners' potential trade target, if you're in the business of playing Twitter detective here, as we're recording, Paul Seawald, Mariners reliever, tweeted at Marcus Stroman saying, nobody's future is brighter than the Pacific Northwest. We'd love to have you, bro. And Marcus Stroman responded saying, my dog, unreal year for you. Love what y'all got going on up there. Let's see how this all plays out. I can't wait to compete wherever it may be. Marcus Stroman, of course, very active on social media, very active in talking with fan bases, etc. But he does admit that he loves what's going on in Seattle. So maybe there is some interest there for Marcus Stroman, who, Colby, you and I have said is a pretty, pretty good fit for the Mariners, both from what they need and in terms of just his clubhouse fit. What do you think about Stroman? Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Um, it's again with Stroman, it, it's there are some concerns. He doesn't miss bats, and, and again, Seattle's rotation has a lot of guys who don't miss bats. So mm-hmm. um, that, that's kind of the issue there uh, for me in terms of fit. But yeah, there's very little doubt he would be a great fit in the clubhouse. I think he would be an awesome fit uh, with the city itself. Um, East Coast guy went to Duke, you know, pitched for Toronto and the Mets. So uh, not a lot of experience out here on the West Coast. But uh, hey, you know. Just, that doesn't mean that he's just not going to sign with the West Coast team. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's fun. Stroman is is definitely high on our list. Uh, we had him in our, uh, I think we both had him in our individual offseason plans at some point. Um, mm-hmm. He's a great culture fit, and and he really can help Seattle on the field as well. But uh, mm-hmm. there are some concerns there, and I just refuse to play Twitter detective with Paul Seawald, who's just like this super like jovial guy. Um, <laughs> So I just I'm not I'm not engaging in that side of the conversation, but uh, no, Stroman would be a would be a nice ad. Uh, again, hopefully, less than five years would be really nice, and, and you know, honestly, three would be ideal. But uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about what we teased about at the end of the last segment. The Orioles are potentially looking to trade left-handed pitcher John Means, who, of course, no-hit the Mariners earlier this year. And uh, apparently they are actually considering offers. That was the the wording used uh, with the mm-hmm. report Yes, that came out yesterday. I forget who, who made that report. Uh, apologies to whoever that was. But John Means is apparently available. And the Orioles are at least considering the offers uh, that have been made, uh, apparently. And we know that the Mariners have at least expressed interest in him in the past because we were told during the season that around June, early July-ish, they called the Orioles about means. Ultimately, nothing came from that, of course. But I would assume that if there are offers on the table for John Means, the Mariners probably have one of those, right? I think so. But there are some concerns here with with means, uh, which also might actually help the Mariners afford him for a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, we we were both told that Seattle did ask about means. We don't know how far those talks got, but they have had conversations. And typically, those how that's how this thing works. When when means is getting shopped this winter, it's because teams were asking about him in July. And we know the Mariners are one of those teams. There are certainly some things about means that really are very Jerry Depoto esque, and and you know it's 
we talked earlier about the the K per nine and the walk per nine numbers, and and Means mm-hmm. checks off both of those lists. Um, you know, last two years he's been eight point seven and eight point two uh, K per nine, and under two uh, base on ball per nine. In fact, one point five base on ball per nine over the last two seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, Means is a good pitcher. He's probably a number four though. If we're being quite honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, I, I think, you know, he's Marco Gonzalez who misses a few bats, a few more bats. That's pretty much who he is. And he wasn't very good in the second half of last year. He ran a, it was a four, eight, eight ERA in the second half of last year after a two, two, eight ERA to start the year, uh, which, um, is troubling. I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. That's troubling. Um, and there's also some, uh, lingering issues with a shoulder, Mm -hmm. uh, injury that, is left to take into, uh, you know, you have to take that into account, but yes, to answer your question in a very roundabout way. Yes. I believe the Mariners are a team that is probably sent an offer to Baltimore, yeah. uh, regarding John means. So looking at means here, the numbers, uh, obviously three years of club control. So that's certainly appealing. Uh, but only a two and a half one pitcher by Fangraph standards last year, which is is good, not great. Um, it's it's not worthy of high end prospect return. But the one thing that you and I have both been concerned about is that the Orioles are going to overvalue him because he's one of their best assets. Because they're well, to be nice, they're they're bad. They're not they're not good yeah. at baseball. So. Um, but you know, means is one of those few guys that, that is actually, you know, pretty good at baseball. And it, it, as we saw with, with Merrifield and the Royals, um, another not great team teams can overvalue their few assets that they do have. And that can create issues that can pretty much make it where trading for them is just not at all a possibility. Uh, but again, looking at the numbers here, looking at his percentile rankings uh, in 2021, uh, high fastball spin rate guy, 84th percentile on that front. Uh, he was 96th percentile on walk rate. So that's fantastic. Uh, the rest of the numbers, though, are, are pretty underwhelming. He was ninth percentile in max exit velocity. That's not great. 13th percentile in barrel percentage. That's not great. Um, 25th percentile next slugging. Uh, but you know, really again, the, the, the barrel percentage is really concerning because he's not going to miss bats. And when he is pitching to contact, he's catching a lot of barrels, just going to lead to damage. And he's also not, he doesn't get guys to chase either. You know, he's obviously because of the low strikeout numbers, he is not getting guys to whiff a lot. 43rd percentile on that front. And again, like I said, only 38th percentile on chase rate. So that's not super exciting. No, it's just, it's just tough to look at John means and say, what's a trade package. I feel good about that. Baltimore would like, mm-hmm. because I mean, would you trade Brandon Williamson for John means? I kind of feel like Brandon probably, Williamson could become John means in like a two years, but like, obviously you want the help be now, better, but yeah. So like, I probably would trade him straight up for John means, but is Baltimore going to do that? No, they're probably going to want more. And then it's like, okay, well, do you want Levi Stout or Adam Mako? Because that, I mean, that's, it's getting up there. I, it would have to look, be some like, sort of package, right? But it's got to be a package that's led by Levi Stout or whatever. Cause I don't want to give one of my top seven 
which includes Williamson. Right. Plus more. Right. It's um, just he there's just there's there's a lot of concern there. Plus, when you throw in a shoulder issue mm-hmm. and also you have leverage as a buyer in this situation because the Orioles aren't going to be good for a while. Like, I think they're going to take another step forward this year. Like, I think they're going to be better than they were last year. Obviously, it's not that isn't super hard to do. The bar is very low mm-hmm. to clear. But even then, like, he's got three years left of control. By the time that that ends, are the Orioles going to be competitive? They I don't, might be. Maybe. They might be. But they have maybe. Mullins and Montcastle and Adley Rutschman. I mean, yeah, but they've still, got some those, pieces. Those, yeah, they got pieces, but is that all going to come together in that time? Well, I mean, they also they're also going to have some money. Um, sure. I I think there's a non-zero chance that the Orioles are good before Means hits free agency. I wouldn't say it's a great chance, um, but hey, you know, I mean, the Mariners won 90 games, and is their roster significantly better than the Orioles last year? No, not really. Their bullpen was, but that's I mean, I mean, Cedric Mullins is the best player out of. All tw- all you know, fifty two guys on those twenty six man rosters. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It's possible. I just to me, my concern is that can I get can I get means for either one really good like like is Brandon Williamson right? Just throw him out there, yeah. or can I get him for bulk where like the the headliner is like Adam Mako, and then it's you know Taylor Dollard and and. And by the way, Adam Mako should not be like overlooked here. It's just you know, kind of like oh yeah, no, he's just a, he's just a step below. Yeah, is all he's Mako a step below. Really, like really interesting. I think Mako is the guy that that a lot of people are mm-hmm. severely underrating right now. If yeah, if you're a spin rate guy, like you love you love spin rates, Mako's your guy. Yeah. Uh, there are some really interesting things happening with uh, with Mako, especially his fastball. I mean, there's a non-zero chance Mako is John Means. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just throwing him out there because he's just a step below Williamson. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. um, yeah, they should have interest. But again, he's a number four, um, sometimes a number three, mm-hmm. um, and then every once in a while, he can look like a uh, a number two or a number one. But if they got just, him, and, and just to wrap up here because we we need to hop off here, but um, I'll ask you this last question here: if they got two pitchers, and one of them including John Means, and another pitcher that's basically the same as John Means. Are you content with that? Because I'm probably not. I feel like they needed to get someone better on top of that John Means type. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just kind of tough. Means is kind of a tweener. Like He's probably a little bit better than your average four, but he's. I, I wouldn't feel good about saying he's the number three in a good rotation. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, if I'm getting like means and, and Pineda, like I'm like, eh, it's okay. But I would prefer it be like Sonny Gray and John Means. Yeah, if that's what you're talking Kevin about, Gossman or Montas and, and Means. Means. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'd be okay with it, so long as they really brought in some, you know, some offense and defense uh, to help them out. So yeah. I'd be okay with it, but I wouldn't be like doing backflips. Like, oh, that's that's a World Series quality rotation right there. I'd be like, huh. now if it is maybe gets the Gossman, How do you feel? Pretty good, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I would too. So if these are the two guys that they get, the two guys that we've talked about today, um, I'd be I'd be cool with that. 
as long as the um as long as the offense is still like a priority here, right? Um mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't take away from me being able to still go after a Marcus Simeon or someone like that, which it shouldn't. Even if they sign right. Gossman, like they should still be in the running for a Marcus Simeon or what have you. Um but uh but they yeah. need pitchers, plural. <laughs> yeah. Uh but I would be uh I would be certainly into that. Uh if they got mm-hmm. Means and Gossman and, and Means is a good ad. If they if they do come out with him, great. It'd be a lot of fun. So uh that's gonna do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners for Colby Patnode. I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, the C-A-N-E, G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do every day. No episode tomorrow because of the holiday, unless the Mariners finally do something. If so, we'll get you covered on that. But if not, We will be back on Friday for Fan Fiction Friday, so be sure to send us your Mariners trade ideas via Twitter or email at LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. And in the meantime, make your second listen of the day Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And just like us, their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you later this week. Peace.